and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast. Fastest growing, conservative, evangelical, charismatic podcast in the entire Fox Chapel area. Joined today by the fabulously mature Reverend Ben. Hello. <laughs> I thought you said the fabulous immature. <laughs> it's uh, true. I'm also joined by a wonderful, laughing, smiling, the Birkenstocked. Yes. Snowclad Tammy Fire. Yes, very much. Hello. Hello. I hope everybody at home is bobbing their heads along with us. It's nice to think that we'd all be bobbing along to Los Yetis together. Oh, I love the Los Yetis. Yes. The quality of, of special guests so far this season is astounding. I know, and the uh, mood wall behind you is looking wall. more and more decorative <laughs> yeah. every week. We had, who have we had so far? Oh, yes. Cat. <laughs> cat <laughs> <laughs> that's it and what do they call those things people make uh, promise boards or future bo- vision boards oh, vision, right. like vision board well yeah. ben, actually ben's planning a maniac board for yeah. his office <laughs> i'm gonna have um a map of pittsburgh and and then uh the pictures of everyone from the directory with red yarn going from <gasps> thumbtack to where they live um along with things he's downloaded it. about them from the internet yeah. linkedin profiles Aww. with Clippings in the newspaper. Factual things, social security numbers. I'm kidding everyone, by the way, about that last part. But uh, yeah, that's that's how we're going to strategize to launch a small group ministry someday. Turning his office with bits of old broken furniture Mm -hmm. into a combination uh, of the final scene from the film, The Usual Suspects. Yeah. And every 1950s (laughs) National Health Service ward that you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Now that you've all hired me full time, I'm gradually revealing the fact that I'm a lunatic. So uh. (laughs) you've come to the right place. (laughs) And the motif of of maps and preparing for battle. Yeah. Oh, Oh, nice link there. Speaking of of war. Was it Pippin in Lord of the Rings who said he had wished he had studied maps more so he would be better prepared for the battle ahead? It was Mary or I, Pippin. I, was, it was one I of want them. to when, fight. Yeah. When they're they're heading into the forest of Fangorn. So Fangorn? Yes. Nice. I'm I'm reading it right now. Nice. It's really good. Maps. That was battle. All right, here we go. Okay. We could do Lord we could do the the, the <laughs> Fox Chapel Lord of the Rings podcast. <laughs> which the reading is taken, you know, from the book of the Twin Towers, but we're not gonna do that. Yeah. We have to do that one when we do really have Ben and Stephanie will be on the phone. Oh well they love yeah. it. They're calling for it. Yeah. It would be awesome. We are in Second Timothy chapter one. Uh, no, chapter, chapter two, two. Verses one to something. And uh, who will read for us? I would love to read. Yes, I was hoping you would. I love reading the Bible out loud. I think it's one to thirteen. You're good at it too. One to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Second Timothy chapter two. For those of you in children's ministry listening, that's the chunky number. And then starting at little number verse one. You mm-hmm. then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything." Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. 
Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The word of the Lord. Ah, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Uh, some of Paul's, and obviously Paul does not mind mixing his metaphors. He no. loves to do this. No, so we've got it. military mm-hmm. imagery here, wartime footing and spiritual warfare, really clear. There's athleticism and there's farming. And farming is actually right. brutal. It's a very mm-hmm. dangerous job. Huh. Why is it dangerous? Lots of just chopping body parts off in huge Oh yeah, pointy machines. You get your your hands stuck in the combine, it's, and then it's dangerous. There's big machines yeah. and you know yards that are not well arranged. They're they're big factories, aren't they? They're actually, dangerous. I looked that up uh, last week because I remembered from my upbringing with the King James Bible that it said husbandman and not oh, farmer. Yeah. And so my brain went, "What's the difference? What's the difference between a husbandman and a farmer?" And so then I sort of went down that rabbit hole of oh, yeah. of looking uh-huh. up commentaries and things and. So what's the gender like, neutral now? Husbandman, women. I don't know. Husband, husband person. Husband, husband person. <laughs> but they were Spouse saying person. just every everything I read said just what you said, Alex. <laughs> as far as the, the emphasis is is not necessarily on what the farmer's farming, but the fact that he's exhausted. Yeah, that, it's that tiring. Yeah, that he's just dangerous. Wrung out by this work. Well, he, I don't think they had big machines in right. Paul's day. No, but they're right? plowshares and, and pruning hooks. Yeah. basically part-time swords, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, they're constantly yeah. turning them into weapons and then back into tools again. Uh, yeah. Ah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and they uh, and they in England in, in the seven hundreds, the fired the uh, w- was the sort of national standing army, and they were just farmers who would turn up and oh. and try and beat Vikings with sticks. Oh yeah. So I think there's there's definitely a crossover yeah. between the the sort of struggling with enemies struggling with the land that's a genesis motif and then athleticism mm. it's i mean that's an interesting one as well it's just uh hard work to be an athlete wait but doesn't it seem isn't it a little bit what's that have, what does according to the rules have to do with hard work though okay so uh, um, that's verse 5 right yeah with verse 5 think it over for the lord will give you understanding right. in everything <laughs> and, and i would suggest that the apostle paul was not familiar with Michael Massey and the FIA because yeah. there is no Formula way one. that Max, thank you, there's no way that Max Verstappen should have been crowned the world champion, in my opinion. Yeah, race car driving, by the way, for those, yeah. Uh, after that complete debacle yeah. that we witnessed a few weeks ago. Uh, nonetheless, ordinarily... He's good, though. He's a good race car driver. Gary Lineker said, and he's a footballer, he said this is like Manchester City being 3-0 up against Liverpool in the dying minutes to win the cup and the referee saying, I think we'll do penalties instead and Manchester City is not allowed to wear football boots. Oh, like, yeah. Just an outrage. So we get upset when there is cheating. I see you're not yeah. no, as I, upset as me. I'm upset. I was upset. No, I, I was appreciating how you were mixing your metaphors, discussing Paul's mixed metaphors. We went from yeah. racing to... To football, I guess that they're all It's a sport, preacher thing. But like, we all do it. <laughs> right. I was like, Incoherent wow. rants. Another your, thing. Your exegesis <laughs> is reflecting you. the passage itself. Okay, can I, can I, uh, can I nerd out? Because I actually asked that question even though I know the answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or I know a answer that some commentators think because I 
um, I'm preaching on this this week. I'm just going to give away my uh, sermon illustration a little bit. But uh, the podcast goes out an hour after the sermon. Oh, so yeah. sweet, cool. Yeah. All right, I won't steal my own thunder. Okay, so in the he's the thing that they think he has in mind is the the Olympic games sure. um and they had this this strict set of rules and every athlete had to certify that they had been through like 10 months of intensive training before they even entered because they wanted to make sure that the standard of competition was high enough in the games mm. so mm, wow. uh competing according to the rules means that you went through this grueling training process uh involving a lot of uh diligence and so hard you were work. qualified yeah, you were qualified wow. uh, in order to, to do it. Um, that's awesome. So that's that's what they think. It that's because hmm. that always stood out to me. I was like, "What do you mean you got to compete according to the rules? What are the what are the rules like? Right. This is I thought this was about diligence and perseverance and endurance and mm. yeah. Anyways, uh, there it is. Uh, I mean, you can actually see the the overlap. Then uh, the soldier getting entangled in cili- civilian pursuits, the athlete not doing the compulsory basic training, and the farmer not working hard. They're actually kind of the same thing. And I, I was in a church in London where uh, it was like a lunchtime church service. And in the city, there were these three very distinct groups of people. There were a bunch of lawyers, there were a bunch of uh, kind of market traders, and then there were a bunch of accountants, <laughs> completely different jobs. And so he would, uh, William Taylor, the preacher, he would illustrate every sermon with three different illustrations, one from each industry. And, a th- and each time a third of the room would sort of nod or laugh or join in and the other two thirds would be lost. <laughs> so he really knew who he was talking to. You know, he knew the audience. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder if Paul here is, is looking at a group of people yeah. and saying, well, we've got athletes, soldiers and, and farmers. And you all know that if you cheat or you do it wrong, then it doesn't work. Mm. And I think also always remembering that he's talking to Timothy, his child. When mm. he starts the chapter that way, you then my child, all the references to Timothy right. being his child that we read in chapter one, even the reference to Jesus, the offspring of David, reminding us of the promises, and but mm. that idea of genealogy and offspring. And, and this is going to sound really weird, but I was... I. I was talking to Robert about Second Timothy yesterday. Um, Robert, my husband. It's not and, that to odd. clarify, and <laughs> and um, he, uh, I said to him when I read Second Timothy, I always see Vito and Michael Corleone sitting in the garden right at the end of the Godfather, <laughs> it, it and Vito's like, "Remember this," and Michael like, "Dad, I got it. I got it. Remember this. Don't forget about this. Don't forget because he knows he knows he's getting near the end of his life, yeah. and so." Don't don't forget this. They're and gonna don't try forget to make this. you an offer you can't and, refuse. And 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 just that idea of this older man who's getting near the end of his life and he knows it. Yeah. And and this letter is like everything he had left to say. I wanted to tell you to be like this mm. and do this and be like this and uh-huh. don't be like this and yeah. And it's so pragmatic too. It's yeah. it's like it's like all right, you got to know how to deal with this thing. Uh, make sure you pay attention to the teaching and appoint faithful people who will be able to pass mm-hmm. it on to others. Uh, you know, do do all these practical things, but also this is the kind of character you need yeah. to. Because to do he's what you need in chains do. and he's he's yeah. mm-hmm. he's nearing the end of his life because it's going to be taken from him. Yeah. So he knows. Uh, you know, I'm verse nine. I'm suffering and I'm bound with chains as a criminal. And so he's, he knows his time has come and there's a rush, isn't there, to really see the church into the next phase, I guess. It's mm-hmm. a handover note. 
Yeah. So many imperatives in here. Share in suffering. Uh, Mm. Remind them of these things. Do your best. Avoid irreverent babble. Let everyone. We never got that memo. Irreverent <laughs> <laughs> apple. There's always, there's always that chill, isn't there, in scripture when it when scripture puts its finger on your problem. Uh, like, oh no. Yeah. Well, it, it may be irreverent. It's is it babble though? Is it? That's a good question. I'd say it's more babble than irreverent. <laughs> yeah. There's a rev, there's a deep reverence underlying. I think our it's reverent babble. Does that not count? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. I I think. I sometimes all this mention of suffering mm-hmm. can make people really uncomfortable and it, it's all over it's all over chapter 1 it's all over all over chapter 2 I actually have uh I guess some my past self uh highlighted in orange all the places where Paul mentions suffering or endurance or uh or pain or chains and it's just like my whole page is just littered with orange. Those yeah. things are always fascinating. When you do a sermon series like ours and we put a graphic together and we put a byline into it, we're, we're making a bold statement that this is what the letter is all about. But obviously mm-hmm. a letter could be about many things. Mm-hmm. When you do the exercise you've just done, you know, your sermon graphic becomes you know, a chain or, or an instrument of torture or something, a jail. Hey, everybody, share in suffering. Yeah, but everybody's suffering. Mm-hmm. Everybody, and anybody who says they're not is just either having a really good day and not thinking about the past or the future very much mm. or is trying to cover something up. And, and that's why, like, Second Timothy 2, verses 8 and 9, Remember Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound, is, to me, this incredibly... Um, invigorating pair of verses for when your suffering almost feels like it's enslaving you. You're somebody who mm. says, I can't even get out of bed. What can I do for the gospel? Right. Well, I can't serve at church. I can't, I'm bedridden. I'm in pain. I'm in suffering from depression. I'm, I have a disease, whatever it is, but the word of God is not bound. And somehow God is, if he's working through Paul's suffering, who is literally bound with chains, mm-hmm. then how much more is he going to work through yours? Because the word of God is not bound. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really encouraging. Um, Has, really uh, encouraging. Have any of you ever experienced the word of God uh, or God moving powerfully through your suffering? Or would any of you happen to have any quotes from people <laughs> ding, ding, about ding. this yeah. Tammy fire? <laughs> yeah, um, one of my favorite quotes from missionary Helen Rosevere, uh, who was um, brutally tortured uh, in her service for Christ and then returned to the work, said that God will never use a person greatly until he has wounded them deeply. And it's an active verb. It's not until they have been wounded deeply. Okay. God will not use a person greatly till he has wounded them deeply. The privilege he offers is more than the price you have to pay. Mm. And then in the quote, she says it again, the privilege is greater than the price. And Mm. I think that is true. I think that is. Yeah, we we don't like the idea that that something could be happening to us by God. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the, the danger is if you say, well, no, God could never do that to me. You, you immediately cut off something within creation that mm-hmm. apparently is beyond his sovereign ability to use and redeem. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, like C.S. Lewis said, that pain is God's megaphone. Uh, you know, so being sovereign over all things, he can use even evil for good. I think that the the other thing that I find really uh, challenging about this passage is that it's not only that Paul says, like, endure the sufferings that naturally come your way, but it almost seems like he's saying, like, hey, there's a stream of suffering, mm-hmm. Timothy, and I want you to not only dip your toe, but dive into it. Like, well, go ba- towards suffering. Well, to be baptized, to be immersed in Christ is to be immersed in suffering. and uh-huh. I didn't get to get into this, really, in last week's sermon, uh, but but multiple times, really, he's saying that because Christ suffered and because he's in Christ, he's now in suffering because they're not uh, separable things. Uh, you know, he, he said last week, I'm a prisoner for Christ, which is intriguing. Uh, and then here, I think, Tammy, like you were really just getting into this uh, this idea that um, you know Christ is risen from the dead in, in verse 8. Uh, there immediately is a reminder that Christ suffered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that he has victory. He's not risen over from it. the party. He's risen from <laughs> real death. Mm-hmm. He has experienced it. He knows that idea that he knows. You know, there's nothing outside of his scope of knowledge mm. and and experience, and the kind of deep understanding of someone who's been through exactly what you're going through, mm. only infinitely more. Yeah. You can't outsuffer Christ. No, and you you can't. Uh, you you can't find anywhere that has more promise of glory uh, to come too. Though uh, it makes me think of the, this this whole attitude is the exact opposite of what's really prevailing. The attitude that's prevailing in our in our at least in my generation, I think like it's pretty established fact that millennials are not saving for like retirement and stuff at a, the same level as previous generations. And uh, we're we're more likely to use that money we've saved up to take a vacation somewhere because the idea is like, well, things are probably going to be a disaster in the future for me no matter what. And so what I need to do is live it up now. I need to maximize my pleasure, my experience, everything right now because because I have no real good future hope. And Paul is saying the exact opposite of that. He's saying... Remember Jesus Christ who's risen from the dead. You have mm-hmm. the most glorious future hope ever. Right. But right now it's wartime. Right. Because if yes. God's if God's goal is for you to have a really great, enjoyable life where things turn out the way you planned and it seems like things work fairly, what does that say to the millions of people around the world whose lives are crushed by brutal regimes? Yeah, you're not good enough and you don't war. belong. Yeah. There's something yeah. up with you. It's your fault. Yeah. There's no hope. Exactly. Despite their faith. How many many Hebrews in 400 Mm -hmm. years of slavery just crushed waiting for for their deliverer? And what does it suggest? That the regional gods are more powerful than God? Yeah, exactly. And they're not. Right. But you got to wait for his timing. Well, and the saying is, if we have died (laughs) with him, we will also live with him. So there is that. There's that reminder, Christ died and rose, you will die and rise. Uh, Christ suffered, you will suffer. But there is still this this struggle motif, which is so, one of those things that's almost difficult to reconcile is that we get all this talk of grace. And something as, as clear as, uh, say, a baptism, mm-hmm. 
you know, I submit to this thing, but really it's done to me. Um, like, a, like a death, and a, you can't resurrect yourself. If you're mm. dead, you're dead. You can't, there's no thing you can then do to be undead. Mm. You're dead. And so clearly there's grace, grace, grace. And then, yet, yeah, nonetheless, we're called to this athletic struggle, this battle, and rules, and hard work. It's, um, it's such a, a strange combo of things. Works don't work, and yet you're called to work. How is that, how is that different than moralism? Oh, yeah, that's a difficult question to answer. I mean, I, Because this is a... Res- we, I would say because this is a response. This is a response, okay. not, a, not an initiation on my attempt to get God to like me more, mm-hmm. to measure up. But and if you the king has that. said, follow me, and it's going to be a hard walk. That's very different from me running after the king going, notice me, notice me, look, look, I'm, I'm crawling on my knees over glass. Mm-hmm. Look, look, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm responding to the king's call. And he said, follow me, and it's going to be hard. And, and so if you say, well, I'll follow you if it's easy, then... Oh, then you're, then you're boasting about yourself. If yeah. it's easy enough for me to do, do. then actually I'm the one that's, that's, yeah. that's achieved yeah. this success. <laughs> Ah, yeah. So maybe that's why the battle's so hard to show us that we can't win it. Yeah. Without him. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it started I love how he starts with being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Like uh the Christian life, the the walk, the like spiritual discipline, uh the soldierly mentality, the the wartime mentality all starts with grace. Grace is what wakes you up to see the brokenness of the world around you and also gives you a sense of hope that that very world can be redeemed and resurrected just as you mm. are redeemed and resurrected. That's as close as I can get to a Wolpian crescendo. Well, that was pretty clear. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. I think, I think he'd be proud because you never know um, whether it's a success or not until the Los Yetis appear and um, they're the ones that tell us. <gasps> oh, what do you know? There we go. Tammy Fire. It was an absolute pleasure having you with us today. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Vicker. 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 I managed to do a whole half hour without doing a Gloucester accent for no apparent reason. Well, that would be a tragedy if that didn't happen. <laughs> well, you just did one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad that you could be with us. Uh, this has been a podcast of Christchurch Fox Chapel. Tammy has made it to the wall. I have. And we'll Yay. see you all very soon. <laughs>